so how is everybody doing today? How do you find yourself right now? I was doing some reflecting this last week, and I realized that we have been back in person for this worship service for a year next week. That's when we came back together and we gathered on an Easter Sunday and we opened back up the doors. We still had folks on Zoom, we still do today, but we are in a much better place at this time. Where are you today? Also, last week was spring break. Some of you may be wondering, okay, I've got this much to-do list right now to do before <laughs> things start back up tomorrow. I got to do laundry, I got to unpack, I got to do this, I got to do that, or maybe you've got to get back into the classroom, or maybe it is you just know that traffic is going to be crazy now because all of the par parents are now going to be driving up and down your street. If you live near a school, who knows what it might be. Where are you in the midst of Lent? Or are you saying, Lent? Who knows about Lent? Things are going crazy around here. I'm just trying to keep going each and every day. But where are you in Lent? Remember, it was almost 40 days ago that we started this thing on Ash Wednesday when we gathered. And we began to talk about what it meant to reflect back on our own relationship with God. Or like I said, are we just all just trying to hang on? trying to make it through tonight, <laughs> to lay our heads down, to get enough sleep that when the alarm goes off in the morning, or whatever it might be that wakes us up, that we're ready to go. As a preacher, I'm given an option on this Sunday as to what to preach, text-wise, okay? Some people call it Palm Sunday, and so that means that folks kind of that they focus on the kind of the, the parade of palms that happens. And we read scriptures that surround that story. Others are given the opportunity, if they don't think anybody else is coming to church or going to think about anything the rest of the week, they say you can do Passion Sunday. And so essentially on the Sunday, you actually talk about the Last Supper. And you talk about Jesus' passion, the, the time that he went through of going through being betrayed and being in front of the high priest and through Pilate and his crucifixion. And so it's a way of preaching that because you might be worried that people won't think about it all next week and just show up on Easter Sunday. I kind of find myself straddling both camps. Punk, punk. I try and put one foot here, and what we try and do is in the, at the beginning of the service, we talk a little bit about what it means to be in the midst of this parade. And then as we kind of shift, especially as we come to the, to the table, we begin to reflect back on what that Last Supper was all about. And so we try and give everybody a little bit of something to think about for the whole week. But what it does generally is it gives me an opportunity to think about these moments and what are important. For me, when I think about Palm Sunday, I have a specific picture in mind. I don't know if you all do or not. When I say Palm Sunday, most of you out there are church people. You've been to church on Palm Sunday, and so maybe you have an idea in your own head of what that looks like. For me, I have a couple of, of images. 
One I have is of me with the palm branch as a little kid, you know, and just excited, waving it like this, you know. I have another one, too, and that is I got older, I realized that if you stripped this off, like this, and you turned it around, you could smack somebody with this thing. Those were like the upper elementary, middle school years. <laughs> My brother doesn't like those years. But I have that idea. I also have an image in my own mind of when I was a youth and children's minister, and they used to always say, now this year, Chad, you know what? It's time for you to gather all the kids and all the youth and any adults that you want at the back of the sanctuary. And this was at a church that did a lot of pomp and circumstance, and so they had everybody process in. And I had to make sure that the kids that had figured that thing out about the palms didn't do it. And that if they were just discovering that, to discourage them. No, to keep everybody in check. And so that everybody looked good as they made their way down and waved their palm branches and put them down. What image do you have in your mind of this holy parade? Do you, do you have a picture maybe of a felt board or a picture as a young person that maybe was in your picture Bible that had Jesus on a donkey riding in and people waving palm branches? I was talking with Ken this morning. What kind of palm branches did they look like in your own picture, in your mind? Are they the long, thin ones that have just kind of one leaf? Or do you have these palm branches in your mind? I don't know. Have any of you been to the Holy Land and seen the kind of palm branches they have? I haven't. But I wonder, what image do you have? Is Jesus coming in on a donkey? See, what's interesting about this text is we have these pictures in our mind, but we have the story in the scripture today that helps to guide us as well. Did you notice maybe some differences in the own picture that you have in your mind today when John read it? First off... What did Jesus ride today? A colt. Now, I, I would really need to defer to Conrad, or if Eugene was here today, I would defer to him about what is the difference, what is a colt, but I did look it up. Four years old. It's a horse that is under four years old, and um, generally, it has not been fixed, it has not been kind of tamed, and this one, we say, has not been even ridden. So we don't know how old it is, but we do know that it is young. Living in Kentucky, I imagined a thoroughbred. Now, I'll tell you this. I did grow up a little bit and spent some time on a horse farm when I was in seminary to help make a little extra money, and I worked with hackney ponies. Young hackney ponies are wild and crazy, okay, especially the ones that have never been ridden. They are all over the place, and trying to get them into a horse carrier took many, many farmhands, and usually the smart people stayed as far away from it as possible and just had the, the young farmhands that were not very smart get the horse on the trailer. But did you, did you picture a colt? A young, wild animal that had never been ridden? Also, did you notice there was not one mention today of a palm? 
I, did, I see that nobody brought their coats and put them up here this morning. Mike's got his on. Look, he's still wearing it. He can't give it up to Jesus? Come on. Is that in your, is that in your mind? That, that, that there were coats on the ground as well? And also something that, I was, that was mentioned to me by one of the people that I listened to this last week, and it was kind of a throwaway comment, but I couldn't get it out of my head this week, and that was this. This story happens outside of Jerusalem. And I'm not just talking about like a little bit outside of Jerusalem, kind of like we're outside of Richmond. Now, what's interesting is we're actually, thank goodness, some of our people that were really thoughtful made sure that a few years ago when they annexed a lot of this property out here that the, the church was annexed. So we actually are part of Richmond, okay? And now that after all this land back here was annexed, we're really part of it. But across the road is not annexed. So across the road is not Richmond. So we're not talking about like that kind of outside of Richmond. We're talking about like outside of town, up the Mount of Olives on the other side. In fact, the text tells us today that it was in Bethphage. And this place is a region. It's an area that Bethany, which is this little village that's outside, existed in. So we're talking about it's far enough away that Jesus has friends. He has people that live in Bethany. Remember, Martha owns a house there, and Mary and Lazarus, his good friends, they live in that space. So when he goes to Jerusalem, if it was close enough, that's when you stay with friends. How many of you have ever been to a conference or gone someplace, and you had friends in town, and you're like, hey, I can stay with them? My parents, when I used to, when they lived in Atlanta, Georgia, when we would go down to visit, we could, they lived in Duluth, which was a little bit outside of town, but you could stay at their house and then go into town to sightsee and do that kind of stuff to do the things that you needed to do. This is so far away, you can't do that. Jesus is going to stay someplace else. He's going to stay in the Garden of Gethsemane for the week, for Holy Week. Because it's too far for him to walk back all the way to Bethany each and every day. But it's here in this little village that our triumphant entry happens. It's outside of Jerusalem. So, the, so Jesus sits on this horse. And he's going in, and the people are screaming out, calling the hosannas and the praises. But there's just something that kept popping in my mind. It didn't resonate with the picture that I had, but there was something inside of it that kept ringing, and I kept thinking about it, and I couldn't get it out of my head all week. This was happening in the hills outside of this town. That it was here that people were crying out, Hosanna, that were calling, peace has come to this world. And I remembered something. I remembered something. There was another time when this happened. I don't know if you remember it or not. 
but about 30 plus years before this ride on a colt, in the hills outside of a town, a group of angels came to shepherds. And they broke open the skies. And these outsiders, these people that were, that thought, that were ones that they thought had no value, no voice, the angels speak to them and say, glory to you, Hosanna. Jesus is here. See, that's the thing that I love about Luke. He recognizes when amazing things are being done on the outside. Luke is always watching for those people that are cast aside. I don't know really what was going on with these Pharisees. It's something that I I continue to um, read about and continue to think about. But these Pharisees, these are people that are learned ones. But they're almost in some ways very, very close to Jesus and the fact that Jesus is a rabbi. So they're following him. They're listening to him. They are paying attention, trying to understand this whole thing. And yet, when the people start to speak, when the people start to praise God, when they begin to kind of cause a little bit of a ruckus, the Pharisees tell them, shh, hey, quit it. Don't talk. Shh. Jesus, tell them to be quiet. Now, here's the thing. The church has been complicit in the past many, many times of silencing people for what they thought might be right. There have been certain times in life that certain people, certain groups of people, certain folks that have maybe a certain gender or whatever it might be, that the church has said, your voice does not need to be heard here. And so they push them to the outside. They try and silence them. They say, shh, shh. And listen, I've done this before. When the kids get loud or when somebody wants to say something, now's not a good time. I know what's best. I know what voices need to be heard. Maybe some of you out there have experienced that. Where you've been told, listen, now's not a good time. Your voice just doesn't need to be heard right now. Maybe you're told it doesn't need to be heard because it isn't important. Maybe you're being told it doesn't need to be heard right now because it's not what we want to hear. Or maybe it's just because you don't look or sound or you're not part of that inner circle. And Jesus is saying, no. People on the outside, they need to be heard. See, we might say shepherds are not the people to carry God's message. We might even say rocks are not things that are supposed to speak. Or maybe we just say regular people are not supposed to be the ones who follow the Messiah. Or maybe we say that women aren't supposed to tell the story of the resurrection. They're not the ones that should be preaching this gospel. And yet, over and over and over 
again, God says, these voices matter. Everyone has a voice. We may cast people aside, we may push them to the outside because we don't see them as ones who have value, that their voices are important. But the reality is this, is that when we understand that each and every person is created in the image of God, that each and every person has value and worth, when we, have, when we understand that, when we live that, we recognize that we all need to listen. And we all need to find ways of speaking. I found this interesting quote this last week. Um, Uzo, I'm going to say this, Uzo Owela, who is the CEO of the African team that is part of a group that exists on the African continent to try and bring unity that also tries to lift up the voices of all of the people in that area to try and bring peace. He was speaking one time and he reminded those listening, it is not, it is not listening to someone that you are telling them that they do not exist. Think about that for a second. By not listening to another, we are saying you do not exist. You do not matter. Jesus is constantly flipping that understanding. He is sitting with the people that are pushed to the outside and listening to them. He is always out there with the folks that seem to be the ones that have no importance. Remember the people that he gathered as his disciples, those inner ones that we know of within the story? These are people who fish for a living. These are not religious scholars. These are not the ones who have made their way through, through, the, um, through the religious schools and that know everything. No, these are the people, the common folks. They're the smelly ones that cast the nets into the water and pull them in that are just barely making it. And those are the ones that he chooses to walk with him. He's the one who lifts up folks like Mary and these other nun-named women who have anointed his feet but have also walked with him and listened to what he was saying. He's the one who gathered children and sat them on his lap and said, this is what the kingdom of God looks like. This next week, from a religious standpoint, is tough. Okay? Many, of, many we know will skip this whole week altogether and we'll just show up here next week. It'll be wonderful and I'll love it because these pews will probably all be filled. Okay? I've already talked to folks. They're like, don't worry, I'll be there on Easter. I'm doing it too. I'm bringing family. Okay? So we're going to have folks in here, and some of you will say, I haven't seen you in a year. Some of you may say, I haven't seen you now in like, what, three years? Two years? Something like that? But here's the thing. When we start thinking about this whole week and about how, you know, it is that that throughout this week we'll, we will deny Jesus and we will betray him and we will... 
not understand and we won't listen to him when he tells us about how much we're loved in that upper room. We will, we will desert and we will just kind of ignore what's happening because it's just too much. That's what makes Easter so beautiful because God overcomes all of that until, and still tells us that we're loved and that no matter what is happening, no matter what we've done, how many people we've silenced or how many times we've been silent ourselves, God says you are still loved. But there's also something else. Remember how I talked about all those things that we have to do this next week of the places that we are? The things that we're challenged with? The things that we carry? The to-do list that we have? All of those pieces? We don't have to do that all by ourselves. The beautiful thing about life is that we have others to journey through life with. And God has said this, that we're in this together. Even those people that we want to push off to the side that we say are not important. Or maybe those people that have pushed us aside and said, you're not important. We're a larger community, more than just the ones that were sitting here and more than ones that just that right outside these doors or that are gathered in a church on this Sunday morning. We are a larger community than that. We need each other. And if we really value and understand that each and every life is created in the image of God, we recognize that we need each other and we need to do this together. We need to listen to the rocks as they cry out, to the shepherds as they speak, to those folks along the, along the way that laid their coats on the ground and shouted Hosanna. And yes, even to those Pharisees that said, tell them to be quiet. But it's in coming together and valuing each other that we can create a space that looks more like God each and every day. This week is Holy Week. But beyond that is an opportunity to see life through different eyes. May we go out today seeking the others around us, even those that may be on the outside for support, so that we might support them let us go and recognize it in the world and live it ourselves today. Amen. Thank you for listening to the White Oak Pond Christian Church Podcast. We hope that it's been a blessing to you this day. White Oak Pond seeks to be a place where we accept one person at a time to Christ's never-ending and forgiving love. Don't forget to subscribe to this podcast so that you can receive sermons each and every week. And also rate us. It really helps. Thank you again. And may you know joy in powerful ways this week.